With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Hi, Nick. Hello. Welcome to Diddy TV. <laughs> Thanks for having us today. Listen, I, I just uh, heard your set. It was uh, really, to me, kind of brings back a lot of that Southern rock feel. Um, but uh, it's kind of an amalgam of lots of different um, genres, I think, in your music. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I could talk to you all damn day, <laughs> which is actually the name of your new album. Yeah, yeah, it is. It came out um, back in late October, and we've been you know, touring and, and playing shows uh, in support of it since then. Yeah. A lot of people are saying this is really um, you know, kind of stepping forward for you, that the, albums you, the past albums were really awesome, but this new album is really taking your music to a new level. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Um, the, the the process of the record was was different than the the last record that we several records back that I made, and uh, we had two producers on it, and we basically just had um, as much time. We weren't we weren't con constricted by any time to do it. So it took like nine months, which was okay. But um, you know, I wish we could have got done a little bit sooner than that. But within the framework of like what you know, we envisioned and, and it, the fact that it, we were not going to be constrained by any time. Um, that's just the way it, it, it worked out, which was good. Um, and really let us, you know, take time to deliberate on the songs and, and, and get the final product that we, we wanted to do. Now, before you started the process of recording the music, were the songs already written or were you still writing the songs? The skeletons of the songs were written, and some of them had been played out live. Most, like 50% of them actually had not been played out live. And that, that was a big difference, too. Um, but it was good because, you know, I was a little apprehensive of it because I had never done things that way. But we had a really good drummer and two good producers on it. And um, to really feel our way through, and, and, and the way we set it up was to edit the way, you know, if we, if we needed to go back and, and do that. Um, but so... Is playing even, a song live different than... The recording on the uh, on the on the album. Yeah, I, I, it can help it in a lot of ways because you you hammer you hammer things out and, and get things uh, to the way that you want. And you know you um, can do radio and listen back, or you know you have demos and you listen back, or you do sessions and you kind of can listen back. And 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 so the you know having that ability to really let those songs air out. Um, I mean, usually with songs, I mean I have the chords and the the skeleton of the song and we have all that in place and then we practice i'll throw stuff out you know or in sound check i'll throw stuff out um just to kind of get you know to, for whatever i'm hearing in my head for to, to hear that out loud and, and to hear that with the band and and i like turning things loose um with people just to kind of see what their perspective is going to be like um do you ever do any live takes just to see what it would sound like oh, if yeah. you're all playing together uh, yeah yeah before for you sure. track it oh yeah absolutely yeah definitely so all damn day is the title track to the to the uh, to the album as well, and it's it's about the working man. It's hard work all day, or how would you describe that? That individual song. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean it's about like taking a few like mundane, uh, you know, kind of banging your head against the wall, uh, kind of dead end things, and kind of thematically, um, you know, bringing that in. And and part of that is sometimes when I write, like I like to. 
um, strip things down to like very simple things and like um, sometimes you want like to, a story to build, but then other times, I mean, you know, because the song doesn't really have a central chorus in it. It just kind of has a refrain um, to take kind of a, a, I mean, there's a difference between like simple and simplistic and, um, you know, to take like a very uh, like small theme and try to kind of attempt to make it somewhat profound right. like in a, in a bigger picture. If there was a theme to the songs on this album, what would you say that is? I don't. I don't think there was a central theme so much to this record as so much I was just trying to pick the best songs, um, the best 10 that we could, because the, our old guitar player, JP, he actually wrote two of the songs that ended up on the record, and that was the first time that I ever had anybody write any songs for the record that I didn't write. Um, so the song Many Stones, we tracked that as part of the session. That was one um, that he wrote that was based on a true story of someone he knew in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, that committed suicide. Someone that I didn't know, um, but I thought it was a really good song. And then uh, I Can't Go Home was another one. Um, but part of it, that, you know, working with another person was just, you know, we toured so much um, over the last three years. Like, we just had our guitars with us sometimes, and we were just killing time, and we both had songs, and we just kind of threw stuff out. Um, sometimes just to pass the time. Sometimes it was to work on stuff because we, you know, um, that's just what we do. How do you go through the process of deciding which songs are going to be on the album? Because I'm assuming you had more songs than mm -hmm. you actually put on the album. And so when you're narrowing it down, what is that process like? I guess it, when you're arranging it and writing and working with people to give the feeling that you're not forcing things. And if it feels like you're trying, working way too hard to do it, uh, then that's a good point to exit what you're working on. Um, if it feels like it, it really flows and maybe you're getting to do something that you haven't gotten to do in other songs. Like you maybe feel like you're realizing a part of your writing that just hasn't come out yet, or maybe a part of your voice that just hasn't come out yet. That's a good indicator. But I, I just feel like songs that, and there have even songs of mine that have ended up on, on albums later that at the time it's like, man, we're just forcing this and it's not there, you know? And, and as far as like what you're talking about too, like writing ahead of things, I mean, like we've already started working on a new record you know, because there, when you make records, there's like this massive like time backlog. So even if you wrote it's a, a delay. song, <laughs> a huge delay. So even if you wrote like a song a month and, you know, or, or two songs a month, which is, is not that much. I mean, you would just uh, you would, you know, generate a big backlog of, of stuff. So, you know, we've released the, the record for All Damn Day came out in early 2016. This came out in late 18. So. You know, it wasn't like us not putting a record out from like a lack of trying because we actually had a couple false starts in a couple other different studios um, before we uh, settled on the, the studio that we wanted to work on and, and the people that we wanted to work on it with. You're from Indiana, uh -huh. Southern Indiana. Correct. And did you record in a studio there or someplace else? We were in Metro Indianapolis, which is about like an hour and a half north. Um, and so it was a place called the Ark Barn, and it's um an old house this the the producers like it's been in one of the families and the, there's a suburb called greenwood and basically greenwood was as has been incorporated part of indy but it's like the far suburbs so the family actually sold most of their fifteen thousand acres to like developers in indy so but there's this one little part that's still really secluded and they still farm on it and uh the guy's dad he's an interesting he's a cool guy he, he popped in a few times and he's actually uh 
in the tractor pull hall of fame and he's a he's a, they still got the farm out there that's and great yeah <laughs> which i didn't know there was i a didn't hall know of, there was one there is and and mr coke is cook mr cook is a, 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 an honorary member of it and uh but there's also like a, a farm stand there like a little farm market because we, we started in the fall and they get like mums and like corn and stuff and there were a few times we were like tracking and there was like a knock on the door and someone didn't know where to like because it was kind of like a give you know, you just leave, make change, like leave the money there at the farm market. And a few people weren't like totally sure, like didn't want their money to blow away. So they would like knock on uh, the studio door and make sure that they were all settled up, you know, <laughs> with the family. <laughs> so why did, so why did you choose that studio? Was there something special about it that, that really stuck out for you? Because, you know, in, at Diddy, we actually, uh, we feature a lot of studio studios. We have studios we love and we feature them and they, they all have unique qualities. It's really interesting. And the reason why people choose them or choose to record mm -hmm. there is, is very different. Yeah, even though I had to drive, you know, because sometimes I would just go there and stay there for a day or two, you know, just kind of work and, and, and work stuff out. The reason we did that one, um, our guitar player had made a record there, and uh, I got to know those guys a little bit. And they knew who I was. So the, the process of just, you know, because we tried it in a couple other different studios, and, like, we got started, and I we all – collectively felt like this wasn't the situation we really wanted like we had a specific vision and uh going to those studios and then just through talking to jason and ryan um and they'd come seen us play live a couple times and just like we were on mentally the same wavelength about like the kind of album we wanted to make where um we wanted to make a bigger record like one that had big choruses and, and made those choruses count which we did um do that but really it was us just mentally like being on uh, the same page with those people so that, you know, we, you know, you, you talk to some people when you're, you know, working to, to, to get in the studio and you just are kind of like, man, this guy, I mean, you have to coach him a lot or we're just not going to get what we want. But with the two of them, like from day one, we were pretty much all on the, the same page about like what our final, like what our final sound was going to be. Which is really key, isn't it? Because, uh, it's stressful enough to go in the studio and you, you have to make hay while the sun shines and you're in there right. and you want to make sure that it comes out sounding right. And a lot of people complain that our sound is great live and it just fell flat in the studio. So how do you recreate that in the studio? So it's really important to yeah. be on the same page. Yeah, and, and it goes back to what, what we were saying before about like, you know, the, the, the pre-production of, of the records and, and that pre-production at this point can be you know, running your iPhone and just getting to hear it back because everything you hear in your head, it's a little bit convoluted. It's not exactly what you're going to hear back. And, you know, you've got to experience that. You've got to hear that, what the pe what that final product is and what that the, the people are going to be, you know, experiencing. They're not going to have that option of hearing it in, in their head, you know, like you are going to have. So. Right. So Nick Dittmeyer and the Sawdusters. What is a Sawduster? Uh, <laughs> I, so had to, our, I had to ask. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, um, but our old bass, the, the name came from our old uh, bass player's dad. And if Johnny Too Bad is watching this, I'll give a shout out to him. But uh, we were just playing under the name The Nick Dittmeyer Band. Mm -hmm. And um, we kind of, I, I was looking for an and the, and I, I tried playing a couple shows uh, under the name The Swill Merchants, which was a reference to the movie Almost Famous. Like there's a part where uh, he calls uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman at night. I don't even know the scene, but he like, he, when he hangs up on him, he's like, the kid's on drugs. But uh, um, 
but yeah, so we did that, but we were just kind of searching and I'm like, it just kind of fit, you know, cause I mean, I like the demarcation for like when I do solo shows to be like, well, this is a Nick Detmeyer show. And then like this, you know, just so people know what they're, you know, come to see, or, you know, I don't want people to feel like they're going to expect something or, you know, get something that they're not going to get, uh, essentially. So that honestly, it was the, the dad of the bass player. He would generate these band names all the time. Um, for himself. Maybe or, just define it and put it in wiki and then it becomes a word. Right, yeah. <laughs> we did, my dad is a carpenter. We did, I did for years practice in his uh, like like light industrial uh, workshop. So it kind of worked that way too. But um, there's not a real, that really, that's exactly where it comes from. So That's great. That's, that's actually a really good story. I always want to know how people, people come up with these names. But um, so you've got other songs you're going to you're starting on their next album. Mm -hmm. yep. When do you think uh, you anticipate that coming out? By uh, by August or September, I would oh, think. Oh wow, so it's yeah. quick. It's an EP. Yeah, so it's all it's a it's like about 60-70% done at this point. So I'm going to go home and then hopefully finish it on Friday or well, uh, it's today's Monday, so hopefully I'll have it finished by the end of the week. That's my goal. Is there anything different about the music that's coming up uh, that differentiates it from the current album? Um, we just kind of, you know, I went in with, with less expectation where like with the full length that we just put out, like we really had to do something that we really, we really had to execute our vision. And then with this, because no one's really expecting us to do anything, we're kind of creating without any like pretension. So that's, I think you can get a lot of good work done that way. Um, by, uh, you know, do, doing things without feeling any pressure. Like, so that's, that's where we're coming from on the EP. Um, and, you know, right now we're just in tracking mode and arranging mode on it. And then we'll get into post-production mode after that. I've talked to a lot of artists who say that um, they feel like it's important to keep putting music out there, even smaller amounts of music, mm -hmm. than waiting for 11 songs. Why not put out four or five songs? Because you're touring and you want to keep your your uh, fans interested and, and engaged and, and also gain new fans and mm -hmm. that sometimes, you know, continuing to put out music is, is, is really important. Yeah. Plus, I mean, you've got all the songs, you're sitting on the songs, you want to get those out and produce something and, and uh, create something. And, and that's, you know, what keeps us going. So what does Nick Dittmeyer do in his free time? In my free time all on tour? All the free time <laughs> that you have on tour. I don't, well, I, man, uh, when we were in Europe, I would, we, me and our old guitar player, we'd just go on bike rides and try to see cathedrals, as weird as that is, or like libraries and stuff, because there was a lot of them around. But I like, I, you know, I try to keep, you know, hit the library before uh, we go on tour and just have stuff to read and like podcasts and, uh, you know, just try to keep my mind, you know, times that you're not paying attention, you know, that you can kind of zone out out of music you know and just try to kind of have some of your time and and keep your brain sharp and you said you're a basketball fan too you have I a am. team uh yeah but uh on tour mainly we get to catch a lot of west coast basketball oh, cool. west coast nba uh yeah. so we get to watch a lot of the warriors and the lakers and the blazers and stuff like that so. well, it was a pleasure having you in the studio today thank and you and we would love to have you back when you get that new ep out thank you for having us it's been awesome good luck all right 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only. 
right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 